All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. I hate to break the fishing news after Ramchuk, but I'd like to speak about the ice hockey. Congratulations. You're one of the 13 listeners of the Real Life Podcast. We just traded a migraine in for like an orgasm. Might want to mark that down. Yep. All of my projects are on schedule until they're not. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. About as funny as we're going to get today. Welcome in to episode 203 of the Real Life Podcast. I am Tyler Uremchuk, and this podcast is brought to you by the fine folks at Japa Machinery. Whatever you need, Japa has you covered. If you're sad about the Oilers being eliminated, don't worry, Japa, because they're local to Edmonton, is sad as well. They're here for you, whether it's emotional support or helping you with all your big machine needs, japamachinery.com. A bit of a short staff, Bagged Milk is on an emotional vacation because he is Way too upset about the Oilers being eliminated. And I'm sure Jay and Wanye are as well. Uh, Jay, I'll go to you live from the Little Brick Cafe. Uh, was it a rough weekend for you? I know you were out golfing. So was it hard to like get emo- you know, get hyped up about your golf trip when the Oilers had been eliminated? Oh, I was so hyped up. It, 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 I was, uh, so on game days, I'd wear Oilers Nation golf shirts, golfing. I had a whole routine. And then we'd go to a bar, I'd wear a jersey. I was fully activated, and then I'm having the I'm having you know especially the first game on Wednesday like the Twitter was so positive and fun, and then I played good golf. It was beautiful weather. I'm riding high, and then Oilers lost. So now I'm a miserable asshole. <laughs> the wheels go, come off. That the uh, that needs to go get a donair and make this donair shop that's closed open again and make me a donair so I can go eat my feelings. Uh, so yeah, this, this trip was an emotional roller coaster because I was supposed to, you know, this was supposed to be a getaway where I could just kind of like have fun and just not be stressed out. And I was left miserable and stressed out for large periods of this trip, all because our beloved Oilers just didn't show up. Wanye, I'll hand it right over to you to follow that up. Uh, I, I I understand everything Jay's saying. I'm fine. I mean, it is what it is at the end of the day. I can't control it. I had a wonderful time. Those six marvelous days, I felt alive. If I was in charge, would I be missed at my team coming with that effort? Yes, but I'm not. So whatever. It's fun. I had a good time. Game two win was probably the best thing that happened since 2017. Yeah, I guess. And it, it did feel good to be emotionally invested in a playoff series once again. And get that. Would I have preferred hockey. they win the Stanley Cup? Yes, of course, of course. 
Ah, like and see, like I'm just so I'm ticked off because it's not like it's not like the Oilers went into this as the scrappy underdog who were lucky to be nope. there. Like they went in as a favorite and they played like shit. And like that's what makes me so mad is that I was so happy for those six days of getting Oilers playoff hockey and they pissed it away. Like that's what irritates me above everything. Exactly. No question. But I think like especially <laughs> they, right now they, they to get into the first they lost out in the first round, I could have lived with that. No. Granted, I I bet a lot of money that they're going to win the cup. Yeah. But uh, you know, it just like they had to get us to the dance. Like this was over in a blink of an eye. But if you look at like social media and how some people, bless their hearts, are taking it so badly, like you got to be careful how devastated you're going to let this get you in a time like this, where a lot of people are already kind of on edge, right? Like I don't know what you've seen your Empic online. I've seen people being like ridiculously dire with how bad this is affecting them. No, and at the end of the day, like, it's a playoff played in a pandemic year, and we talked about this a little bit before. I felt like there's going to be one team that wins and cherishes this Stanley Cup forever, and then there will be 30 other fan bases who will always go, yeah, but you did it in the bubble, right? And I I always felt like that's the way it was going to be. And I think we're going to get that sense a little bit now. I'm glad they didn't waste a cup run on a year where there were no fans, quite honest. Well, yeah, of course. But, like, for me, this is, uh, I'm emotionally connected to the team. Yeah, of and course. That's, and that's a problem that I have. And for me, it takes time to process some of emotion. Course. So it's going to weigh on me for a little bit. It also doesn't hurt that I was on a five day golf trip and had You're, a lot of fun. And oh, I'm yeah. feeling that too. So it's all a big compounding scenario to put Jay where he's in right now. What? It is nice. I hate. NHL hockey that isn't Oilers involved, right? I can't stand watching third-party teams. I could care less. It's nice having hockey right now, even if it's not the Oilers. So well, are, you, yeah, are you still it, watching it a lot, Wanye, or are you disconnected? Yeah. yeah? All day long, right? It beats being a fucking public health expert, right? Yeah. Like, I would prefer to have anybody play anybody than CNN on in Wanye Manor in the stately confines. Well, I'm going to be sports betting my way through uh, trying to make this a happy um, playoff season for me now. Now, hopefully I can win some money. Now, do you think, your Amtrak, that all this insanity with the market and, and like the NHL being in a bubble and how you're going to play a whole season in a bubble, do you think it's going to have any impact in the off season in terms of signings and trades and shit, or is it going to be business as usual? Well, the biggest difference is going to be the caps not going up, right? So these teams who went on runs or who potentially got eliminated early, the Oilers, the Penguins, the Leafs, that had their sights on greater things, they might want to go into the offseason and be like, well, we got to make some big changes, but they don't, they're not getting cap space. Like No team is getting that traditional 2 to $3 million boost of the ceiling that helps you go out and say, all right, we need to move out one bad contract and bang, we got 6 million bucks to spend and we're going to find a way to get an impact player. Like no one's really going to have that luxury this off season, except for like Colorado and maybe the Calgary flames. Like I, I'm not hundred percent sure what their cap situations like. So uh, I think this off season is going to be interesting because will a guy like Ken Holland look at this season and go, we had a damn good regular season and then when things sort of got weird in the playoffs because of the pandemic, we fell apart. And is he going to go, we fell apart because we aren't good enough and we have too many players who are happy being passengers on the team? Or will he say, you know, this was a pandemic year, everything's weird. When everything was normal, we were a good team. So, like, I don't know what Holland's going to do. Like, are there big changes he should make? I don't know. Like, well, doesn't every year of contracts expiring give you more flexibility to, as a GM to, like, move stuff around? Yeah, but for the Oilers, like, there's not a lot going out. Like, they still have a lot of issues. Like, I'll pull up their Puckpedia quickly here, but Sam Gagne's, well Sam Gagne's deal comes off the books here, whatever they were retaining of that, 300K. Um, you know, Brandon Manning comes off the books as well here, and he, he was a decent little chunk of money. Brandon Manning didn't work out. No, it's stunning that we're Brandon Manning didn't work out. Brandon Manning for 30 years. <laughs> Um, basically the Oilers have $10 million in cap space, but with that money, like Ethan bear needs a new deal. Matt Benning needs a new deal. They got to decide if they want Mike green back. Uh, they got to decide if they want Tyler Ennis back, Riley Shahan, Andreas Athanas, CU needs a new deal and they need a goalie somewhere. Like the money disappears quickly. They're pretty tight to the cap. So like if Ken Holland, like I'll, I'll flow this, I'll start with you here, Jay. 
if Ken, would you be in favor of Ken Holland making a major shakeup? Like, do you look at this loss to the Hawks and go, there are some guys on this team who don't bring it, who don't do enough, and they need to be moved on? It's, it's, well, yes, you always have to look for those holes and try to replace it with someone who wants to, to compete. So, yes. Uh, the question is, if it's something big, who's going out the door? And to me, it's probably going to have to be Larson or Nurse. I think that's kind if of the doing, consensus. Yeah, if you're doing something big to shake things up. Um, would you at all be worried? Like, so, I mean, we always, we always hear every off season how when the Oilers don't go on a run that old oh, clock's ticking on Connor, like eventually Connor's going to get fed up with this. Um, they took some positive strides. Would you be worried if trading a guy like Darnell Nurse, even if you find a deal that you look at and go, that makes us a better hockey team. Would you be worried about trading one of Connor's quote unquote boys out? I wouldn't make a move. I wouldn't. Change a drop of paint in the dressing room unless Connor McDavid signed off on it in triplicate. I agree. I, Connor I agree. McDavid is the general manager of this team with the assist to Ken Holland. I think if and, if, and I think Connor is a guy that if he, if he thinks it makes the team better, he would be on side with it. If he thinks it does, of course. And I don't think that Connor McDavid is getting sick of Edmonton Oilers hockey. I think Connor McDavid's getting sick of losing. Yeah. And Connor McDavid makes it his primary mission in life. Connor McDavid can't be Connor McDavid unless he is Connor McDavid with the Edmonton Oilers in his brain. That's where Gretzky is, blah, 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 right? Like that GQ interview where you're watching them, you can see how Connor's like, I will be next Gretzky. And next Gretzky left Edmonton at four cups. I don't think that he is going to consider his career complete until he solved the problems of the Edmonton Oilers. If he wins a cup and then bounces, maybe, kind of like LeBron. Yeah, but I don't think Connor would do it until he won. With he knows he's the franchise, he has a big contract. He's signed long term. I think people make up that he doesn't want to be an Oiler, but he's done everything he can to prove he wants to, including willing his knee back together. Yeah, and I do think McDavid, like those elite athletes, are always very aware of what their legacy is. And I yep. think for a guy like McDavid, when you're at that level of your sport, where the individual trophies are always going to come. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame one day. He's going mm-hmm. to be considered one of the best ever. Would he ever want that dark cloud over his career of, ah, but he had to leave Edmonton to get it done? I, I think you're right on that, actually, Wani. I think you're bang on. Like, I think he's the type of guy and the type of high-end athlete that sits there and goes, mm-hmm. I got to finish this job. Yeah. Well, and it's like when, when Peyton Manning went to the Colts, right? They were laughing stock of garbage land, and then all of a sudden, they started to turn it around. And I think... Um, with a guy like Connor, like he knows that Edmonton, you know, franchise was in disrepair before he shows up. He knows better than anybody every moment of Oilers hockey since he got here. He can play it all in his brain. And I think for him to triumph over the challenge, it's win as an Oiler captain and win multiple times. And if people are like, you want to leave Edmonton, he gets all prickly about it because as we see, he's a pretty driven and stubborn dude. Yeah. I don't think he's the kind of guy to wake up one morning in year three of his new contract and be like, nope. Yeah, no, it's 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 about your legacy and winning, being a multi-cup winner as an Edmonton Oiler is a much, given where they were, where, where he started to where he took them, is a much more powerful story than him leaving to then just go to a powerhouse and just being making them even better like this is this is called this is the story of Connor mcdavid coming to edmonton and yeah. restoring it Connor back McDavid to is the edmonton oilers in Connor mcdavid's mind and thank yeah. god he is right yeah and i mean fuck it. when you look at that series against the hawks they're like what was really frustrating too was like mcdavid dries out of the nugent hopkins had really good series like those three brought it and I think where would it, it would get frustrating for those three is when, you know, they're putting up seven, eight, nine points each in four games and the rest of the lineup has like two points, maybe. Okay, right? but like, it's yeah. like, oh, Connor has no help. Okay, he's the second highest scoring player in the league, Leon Dreisaitl. Okay, but other than that, they have no help. No, they have the Nuge, right? Like, it's not just Connor plus an AHL team. He does have a supporting cast, but they do have to work their way down and get value contracts that bust asses, right? I don't know where Cassian was. I don't know where Jujar was, but we needed them. Oh, yeah. The Jujar experiment is over. Yeah, you're done with him? Oh, I want to love him. One hit between the two of them? If one guy had gone out and just flattened some fuck, I guarantee you it would have jarred the team 
I oh, think it, so. A hundred percent. Look what, when Connor nailed that guy in the San Jose game. What but I did. also think that when we say like the Oilers were very emotionless, correct? They were very flat. They were. Yeah. I think that's partly a product of having no fans. To be totally honest. Yeah, but, but Chicago, other teams are showing yeah. up though. I know, but like old vets, right? Old yeah. vets that for the first time in their life are healed and rested to start playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. And it takes a team like Chicago and de-ages them five years, whereas the Oilers don't have that muscle memory of how to behave in the playoffs to grind through. And they're going to run largely on emotion as a young team. The Hard to... Hard to get amped up if you're Cassie and if you can hear a fucking mouse fart in section 208 mid-stride in the game. Yeah, but with Cassian, like, he's about to be getting paid real money here, like over $3 million. So, and a big part of his role is being that emotional spark. And he yeah. didn't. Like, to me, it's like, I don't want to make excuses for this team because, you know what, Zach Cassian, you're, you're about to get $3.2 million and the big thing is, oh, Cassian's the guy you love having when the playoffs come around. Well, the no, playoffs we did came- not. And we did not. We No one enjoyed having Cassian around, whereas usually the other team should hate having Zach Cassian on the ice. And he was just such a non-factor. And, like, same thing with Darnell Nurse to an extent where you go, oh, those gritty defensemen like Nurse who are tough will beat you up. You want those guys on your team come playoffs. And Nurse didn't have a great series. And he didn't have a great games three and four, I should say. Like, that's what's most frustrating to me is, I, like, I don't want to sit there and be like, oh, well, no fans could be why or oh well you know the Oilers had more pressure as the top seed or it's a pandemic you're like I really don't want to make excuses for this team because I just think oh, they dropped the ball I don't, that think, bad. I don't think there, I think there's a difference and that's fair there's a difference between making excuses and saying why did they lose right yeah and why did they lose has answers and are those excuses no at the end of the day those answers are either sufficient to keep the organization on the same path or you have to change people out but the big cornerstones right like to be honest when I look at the D I feel like Larson got hurt, right? He blocked yeah. the shot. And then Clefbaum, he went through, correct? He was okay. Yep. Benning got hurt. Benning played the whole uh, series. The whole yeah, series. Okay. Yeah. No, who else? Wasn't there another D that got hurt? No, it, it, was was just, it was just Larson. Just Larson? Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. I didn't think that Nurse played great, but I don't think it was his fault they lost. The goaltending was shady. Yeah, the goaltending wasn't great, and I wonder what they're going to do there. The other area that actually surprised me a bit, and like Dave Tippett had a tremendous regular season, and he he is a big reason why the Oilers were the five seed. But I, you know, like I thought Dave Tippett almost got out coached in that series. He didn't make. There were no adjustments. Like we all, I was asking for it. I wanted the Nugent Hopkins Yamamoto Drysaddle line back together. I thought well, that trio said, was like, their oh, best chance to win. You can't have one good line. I'm like that line that we just described doesn't contain Connor McDavid. Yeah, and, yeah. What the fuck are you talking about? So I, I think there were some moments where Dave Tippett wasn't at his best. I thought starting Mike Smith in game one was a mistake. Um, and I thought some of the work with the lines wasn't his his best. But like I'm still very... When you, when you try to get a big picture perspective on this whole thing, the Oilers of now compared to where the Oilers were a year ago, which is... They now have Leon Dreisaitl, who could be the league's MVP. He took another huge step forward when we thought it wouldn't even be possible. Most people thought he was taking a bit of a step backwards, if anything. He took a big step forward. Kyler Yamamoto went from an AHL player to a top six winger. And I think he proved in that playoff series, although he didn't get on the board, I I think he is a legit top six winger. Ethan Bear proved he's a legit top four defenseman. Caleb Jones proved he's an NHLer as well like there were a ton of positives from the last 12 months around the Oilers when you compare to where they were when Shirelli left right I think the Oilers had a tremendous has Shirelli only been gone a year well it's been 18 months now yeah good gravy we're in much better shape the Oilers had a great season followed by a pandemic followed by a terrible play-in series against the team they should have beat that's the story Mm -hmm. when you put it like that there really isn't a reason to be mad or freak out (laughs) wow I don't know I would I would think not freak out, but every offseason we want to incrementally improve at all positions, right? Yeah. And like the Oilers is Darnell Nurse the thunderous Chris Pronger type we need him to be? I don't know. Do we have to pay him nine million dollars a year? Some crazy shit. Probably not in my mind. Is Ethan Bear gonna be an oiler for a long term? Yes. The changes he made in his career in the last eighteen months are impressive as fuck. They're unreal. Mm-hmm. And he'll play for a long time. He's durable. He doesn't seem to get out of position a lot, right? He's always 
wristing shots of the net and doing shit. He could be like 36 and still an Oiler. Who knows? Yeah. But I think the goaltending, eh, that's where we need to do a big change. And I wonder what well, they can do. Because, like, do you do either of you think Mike Smith's going to be back? I would thank him heartily for his service and wish him and all his children the best. Yeah, it's tough. Like it's it's because it, it, you got to think about the, the the money side of Mike Smith, right? Like, I guess maybe he can't command too much next year. I think we might have to try to, unfortunately, ride Koskinen and try to. We don't have, really have anyone in the system ready to take but a step. Koskinen, I think, is good. I think Koskinen's good. In overall, I just think he played shitty against the Hawks. Yeah. I, I don't like, feel bad with Koskinen, except when he gets fucking turned around in net and his butt's facing outward, or when he goes for one of his skates, then I don't get too thrilled with Koskinen. But overall, I think he's fine. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting offseason. And it's it's also like a very, very short offseason. Like, we're going to blink here, and especially because it's summer right now. We're going to blink. It's going to be September. The Stanley Cup will be handed out by the end of September. And then it's pretty much draft early October, free agency right after. The hype around that usually lasts for about a week as well. And then by the time you get to December, we're pretty much getting right back to camps reopening and the Oilers being back on the ice. So that is the nice part here about this play-in tournament coming back is it gave us some hockey, and it is a relatively short turnaround to the next season. So how does this work then, your check? Are they going to have, I assume that you know everything and that you're also a public health official. Mm-hmm. Are they going to do mm-hmm. it all in the bubble again next year? I was you took the words out of my mouth. That was my next question. I don't know what they're doing. Like they, on one hand, you want to sit there and be like, "Well, by December, if they start the season late December or right at the beginning of January, like you know, things could be better. Maybe they could be flying around to different cities and doing that kind of stuff. And maybe there aren't fans in all the buildings, but you know, maybe they're just playing in their home rinks and cruising around. But then there's a part of me that goes. This is not going to be gone by December. No. Fuck if no. there's no fans, if you can't have fans, then there's no point of being able to play in your own home rink. Like, it, they, they're going to have to set up the same thing. Now, maybe what they do is they set up four bubbles or something like that. Uh, well, I, I don't no think part. you, you can have... have the league in the half. Sorry. Sorry, Jay. No, no, I'm just trying to think a lot because you have to, and what, maybe have like a one, one-time crossover where uh, half the teams from each bubble shift over so you can have your east west mm-hmm. crossover games and then there's just that one move that one time i think but, they have to run the entire nhl out of canada right yeah. that's proven i don't think by december the delta between u.s and canadian cases is gonna you know have right yeah and then if you are living in a bubble and you can't go around why have five bubbles right why not consolidate in two cities again Mm-hmm. And you have two camera crews, not four or some shit. And I think you're going to have a hard time getting people to move in in between countries come November, December. I think for the lifestyle, the bubble would probably have to be in the States. So, I, got, so they don't have to endure a, a winter. Like all tough. the teams. Tough, I, I know it's tough. I know it's tough. But like, I think a place where you might have a chance to pull it off is yeah, like maybe in Arizona. But their cases are so high, man. Yeah. But if it's a bubble then it's irrelevant. Well, yes and no. If you have 30% of the community, like you can't do a bubble where all the support staff stay in the bubble too, right? The NBA so made it work the, in Florida. But that's because they have Disney staff. Yeah. Disney staff oftentimes live on site, right? So there is a lot of barracks and shit or other hotels and stuff. I'm with mm-hmm. you though that like if you have to be in a bubble for six months or seven months, you want to be like on a beach or something so you can at least not be cooped up in your hotel room for an Edmonton winter. But it may be that an Edmonton winter is the safest place to be in North America. It's it's going to be real interesting because the NHL did so much shit right setting up this bubble and they usually don't do a lot of stuff right. So I'm torn on the whole, will they do this right and you know find a way to get a bubble set up for next regular season with the idea of halfway through the year or maybe for the playoffs, we could get everyone back into their home rinks because there's a vaccine and shit's back to normal or whatever. Um, but there's also- you know what? The mall should do like a fight island type pitch to the NHL day and be like, bring all your families. We've retrofitted the rink to be NHL grade. We have a hmm. second rink in town. Everyone lives in the mall. 
<laughs> Everyone gets to go to the water park. The mall has no customers, right? Free Imagine just all NHL family. Everyone gets a theme room <laughs> for eight months. You're still in space. Oh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a long grind. Hopefully, there's some advances in all this, but I guess you got to plan for the worst. Yeah, and I think they do. So, like the NHL did a great job with this. They mess up a lot of stuff. So there's a part of me that even though they did a great job with bubble 2020 here, I'm like, man, it's still totally within the within possibility that the NHL finds a way to fuck up the next stage of this, which is getting next season going, which feels like it's going to, I mean, it's a short time away, but it feels like it's going to be an eternity to eternity away. Once we finally get there. Um, I mentioned the draft coming up in October. I want to get you guys take on the draft lottery happening tonight in just a second. And actually for most of the people listening to this, uh, you already know the results because it's happening at 4 o'clock on Monday. Um, also, in about 15 minutes, we're going to be joined by one of our new sponsors of the show is Odd Shark. And Scott Hastings is one of their experts. He's going to join us for the last basically 10 minutes of every single Monday episode of Real Life. And we're going to chat a little bit about sports betting with Scott and get a lot smarter because of it. But today, draft lottery, 4 o'clock. I... Uh, your reaction if the Oilers win the first overall pick will be what? Oh, I'll be. <laughs> it'll be it'll it'll be twofold. Um, like supreme excitement, uh, mixed with a little bit of when I say disappointment, disappointment in the fact that like here we are again. But you know what? Fuck everyone. Let's yeah. go Oilers and let's piss off everyone. And that will give me a lot of joy. Five first picks overall is the new dynasty gift. That's right. And this guy is going to be shit hot. Tell me about yeah. him. I don't know anything beyond he looks has Jack Eichel's complexion and he flaps his arms. Well, he, he was dominant in uh, World Juniors. So what yeah. is? Where is he from, first of all? Quebec. He plays yeah. in Ramouski. He's, he's following the same pedigree as Sidney Crosby, except for they're from two different hometowns. Yeah, so um, came from Ramouski, basically spent the last couple of years shitting all over the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. He's a left winger, natural winger, so he would just like, that's the thing you want with Connor too, right? Like, you're searching for that goal-scoring left winger. He's got some size to his game as well, six foot one, basically 200 pounds. Uh, this year with Ramouski, he put up 122 points in 52 games. He also had 10 points in five World Junior games, even though he was basically a year younger than everyone else playing in the tournament. He's a dynamic playmaking winger who has sort of that power, those characteristics of a power forward where he'll get his nose dirty and go to the net. And I think that would fit in perfectly with Edmonton. It would be, and I saw this laid out really nicely on Twitter, like the, the tiers of the teams in the draft lottery. So there is the, they probably deserve it tier, which is the Minnesota wild. And then after that, it was the who gives a shit tier with the Florida Panthers the tier of teams that would suddenly be very, very good if they won it. And that was the Rangers, the Jets. And then right below that, it was the internet has a complete meltdown if they win it. And that was the Leafs, Penguins, and Oilers. <laughs> but I mean, Twitter would lose its fucking mind if any of those three teams win it. It just, so here's the thing. I really want it to be the Oilers and I really don't want it to be the Leafs. Yeah, I think that's the general consensus amongst Oilers fans. And everything after that, I can kind of live with. Even if he goes to the Penguins, I can live with that. Now, do we find out? Do we find out if we are the ones that draft first? But do we find out where our draft position ends up, even if we don't get first overall? Yep. So there are. And I'm asking. I'm asking on behalf of Leafs fans because the Oilers are going to win. Um. So basically, from Edmonton's perspective, they are either picking first, fourteenth, or fifteenth. So if the Penguins win the lottery and select first overall, Edmonton will pick 15th. If Edmonton wins, they'll be first. If anyone else wins, they will pick 14th, is how I understand this to work. Now, just a random question, because I've seen it proposed on Twitter. Yeah, I know this kid's a generational talent, but with the nucleus that we have, would you be open to trading the pick if it meant dumping some cap space and getting, like, Getting another pick in the first round and like say two, two roster players that can provide value in say the uh, four to four to nine range of forwards. 
I wouldn't even really consider it. Unless the offer was so amazing that it makes you drop everything, which like then you need to think about it. But the fact is, if this guy can step into the NHL and immediately be an impact top six winger, which a lot of scouts say he will, no problem. They say he's kind of just like a little blip below Matthews in terms of the rankings of these number one overall picks. So if he can step in right away and play on McDavid's wing and score you 30 goals, then you're getting him on his entry-level deal with with bonuses is three and a half million bucks. Like that helps you so much when building this team. Okay, okay, okay. What if, what if, and I, I, I think we should, I'm just saying this for the sake of conversation. Um, I, I think we should probably keep him because he would be 97 shooter um, like day one, the Forever. minute he steps on the ice. Uh, which is dead sexy. I think you would. We also know, but the thing is, no, I know. But the the other thing is, though, the the reality is, is that we could be in a Maple Leaf scenario in like three years where you've got Connor at 12 and a half, Leon eight and a half, and then Lafreniere would have to make 15 million or something crazy like that. Like, um, so I'm I'm thinking of avoiding that. What if you could pants the Florida Panthers and give the pick for their first round pick and Alexander Barkov. Yeah, but then you're in cap hell right now, right? No, because he's, he's 5.9 million. I don't know if Florida would even, like, I don't know. Barkov's legit. Like, that would probably be a I know tough, tough sell. I'm just throwing yeah. shit out there. Um, like, I, like, that is well, not you're, not, you're not authorized to pull trigger <laughs> on this deal if you're M-Jug approved? <laughs> yeah, well. Oh, yeah, you're in your already. <laughs> Let's get the paperwork over to NHL head like, office. Like if, if if we win the pick, if we if we win the pick, it is hard to not say that the, the Oilers are guaranteed to win a cup in the next three years, uh, and yeah. probably be in the Cup Finals the next three. I think what you do is probably just a couple of. There's probably some harder decisions throughout your roster if you win this. I don't think there you trade Lafreniere. But I think the hard decisions are when it, it Nuge. yeah, Nuge. I was going to say yeah. it, it's Nuge it is probably a real tough choice to make. And with Lafreniere, you're going in three years. If he scores 30 goals a season and all of a sudden you're in a Leaf situation where it's like, fuck, how can we afford to pay this guy $11 million? When does he have more value right now is the presumptive number one pick or in three seasons when he's just ripped home 30 to 35 goals a year and looks like one of the next great goal scorers, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So no, you're, you're, you're right. Just I just, it's just one, but, but I'm saying, but it also opens up by doing this. It also opens up cap space because maybe yeah. we can shed. Neil. Maybe you you get Neil and like something else. Um. And uh, yeah, like it, it, just just thinking that, like it, this is where the cap space world just fucks everything around. It makes you like think about weird situations because cap space is such a, such a premium. Um. To, you know, to, to be able to have any error to try to make any kind of changes. But, you know, you're right. Like, you take him. You take him and you figure out the rest. <laughs> yeah, and the After, other thing, too, like, he's exempt from the expansion draft, which would be, like, huge Which is well. huge. The, that is huge, huge. Like, our first two lines, if Lafreniere is an oiler, will be fucking unbelievable. McDavid, Lafreniere, Cassian, and then you got Nuge with Dreisaitl and Yamamoto. And then even on your third line, like if you bring back like Athanasiu and your third line is Athanasiu, Shahan, and Archibald, like that's a good third line too. Like the Oilers forward group would just be stupid. Yeah, yeah. And then we'll just, and we can shake up the D a little bit and yep. to, and open up some room there maybe to then maybe sign a goaltender. That's the other thing. I like, who's a free agent goaltender? Like, what, what's the, I know, I know Puck, uh, part of Puckpedia tweeted out that list and I don't want to pull up my phone and scroll through. Uh, it'll take me a long time, but um, the big names are uh, Robin Leonard, Braden Holpe, and Jacob Markstrom. I think it's kind of assumed that Markstrom is going to go back to Vancouver, and they're just going to somehow find a way to get that done. Laner's the big question mark because he's in Vegas, and they have Flurry, and no one really knows what they're going to do. Um, and Braden Holpe probably done in Washington, no. but he's thirty years old, and I think he'll he'll get overpaid somewhere. Yeah, no, you got to let him go. When it comes to the Oilers, like if you want to talk about upgrading their goaltending quickly before we get to Scott Hastings from Odd Shark, the names that really interest me, Thomas Grice, New York Islanders. He's a guy who's had some really nice numbers over the last couple of seasons, and I and I think he could be a bit of an upgrade. Um, Pittsburgh has a, a situation going there with Jari, mm-hmm. Murray, and Casey DeSmith. 
I wonder if one of those guys shakes loose via a trade. And then the same thing with the New York Rangers, where they have Lundqvist, they have yeah. Alexander Gorgiev, then obviously Igor Shesterkin. Shesterkin, I don't know how to fucking say it. He's yeah, going to be their if, starter. Uh, well, if, if, well, here's the beauty. If Hank decides not to, he's got a no-movement clause. Yeah. If he says he's staying put, that almost forces New York's hand. Yeah. Um, and that could open up something real nice. What if Big Bang Hank's like, I want to go to Edmonton for two years and win me a Stanley? Ugh. Fuck, he costs a lot of money. He costs a lot of money. How much? And I, Eight and I a think half mil. His the best days are way behind him. You got to really? get, we, we, we need a goalie who can perform, because given what we're paying Koskinen, like, we, like, we need a $3 million goalie. That's actually kind of why I think Mike Smith might end up back here next year. Not that I'm the world's biggest Mike Smith fan, but if you go to him and you're like, hey man, like your family's already here. There is yeah. a ton of goalies on the market. Like that market is flooded. And they went to Mike Smith bucks. and they were like one mil with the potential for 500K in signing bonuses. And were you really your only shot to play in the NHL? He would almost be forced to take it. And that could be a way to save money if you think Mike Smith has one more good season in him. Oh, but, that's a big question. Yeah, it is a big question. Um, Electric jo- Electronic Jordan on Twitter. Am I saying that right? Yeah, Electronic Jordan. He's in our uh, fantasy hockey league, I believe. Um, our fantasy hockey pool for the playoffs. He sent us a question. He said, if the Oilers can't win, which team do you want to see Lafreniere land with? So your options are the Rangers, Panthers, uh, Penguins, Jets, Predators, and Wild. And then obviously the Leafs, but I know none of you are going to pick him. Um, I pick the Leafs. Really? You'd rather see him, you want him to go to the Leafs if it's not Edmonton? Yeah, man. I want to watch the world burn. <laughs> I want the Leafs to get <laughs> really enough. fucking good. And then they meet the Oilers in the finals. And then Connor goes around every Leaf and finally goes by Matthew skating backwards with one foot in the air and scores top cheddar. And Matthew's cries hard his mustache falls off. That's what I want. Uh, for me, yeah, like if he went to just somewhere where it's not going to bite us in the ass. So like Florida, everyone's like, maybe, maybe you can go to Minnesota and they can suck the offense out of them. I don't know. Um, Winnipeg would be yeah. kind of fun. Like they're in the Western conference and all that. And Winnipeg would be an absolute juggernaut. But I, I feel like there's not a lot of hatred from Oilers fans towards the Winnipeg jets. So have you seen, no, I, cheer, jets? I cheer, I quietly cheer for Winnipeg just cause like, you know, they're, you know, they had their team taken from, they got them back, you know, good people, humble fandom. Like, you know, you can support that. Yeah. Underdogs. Yeah. No, it, it, it's, yeah, no, I can support that. But I just, it, they just become more of a weapon. Yeah. Um, and that's the scary part um, for that. So I, I just don't want to have to face that too much. Last topic I want to get to before we uh, chat with Scott Hastings. Full disclosure, I have not watched a single episode of it yet. It's on my PVR, um, but I'll get to it right away. Hopefully by the time we record our next podcast. Wanya, you said you only watched a little bit of the premiere? Yeah, I watched until it was time to flip over to the Oilers game, and then my mind went blank until five minutes ago, really. Uh, Jay, well, I, I, was wor- I was worried that it was going to be talked about, so I got up early this morning and watched the the first two episodes so then without spoilers tell me what i should be expecting from this season of big brother based on what you've seen (laughs) so far i'll go first jay hold on let me go first what you can expect is all the party boys and girls of yesteryear coming back older it's like i used to be crazy now i'm a biotech executive i used to be crazy now blah 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 they've aged everyone's age you know what you can expect tyler the unexpected Uh oh um They've got some. They've got some uh, spin. Okay. Uh, so I didn't get into Big Brother until season eight. So that whole Janelle like thing, I've heard of her. I never just never saw her perform in a season. Um, and I know she's a strong player, so she's very interesting. Just because everyone's scared of her because it's Janelle. Uh, so like learning more about uh, these people. The guy I am the most interested in. Um, is that I think it's his name is Kazar Kaser? Yeah, yeah. So he's OG. So I I knew nothing about him. If that guy can stay around, um, he is fucking dangerous. Like in a good way. Like that guy is smart. And don't um, underestimate that little um, Elfie guy who looks Ian? like uh, DJ Small Quail or whatever. Ian? 
The yeah. guy who won before? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he, well, he, he won, yeah. surprised me and, and pulled it off. But uh, so, yeah, so I won't get too, too much in it, but they've got a, they got a unique spin to comp- complicate things as always. Uh, and it's called the safety room and I'll let them, I'll let you guys watch and digest that. But uh, it's just, it's just good to have it back. There's a, there's a couple people. There's one that uh, there's someone from a season that she was in that I watched. and I don't even remember. It's that uh, Keisha. I, I don't know. They, they, show, they, show, they showed her have like a crazy epic meltdown, and it was the first oh, season with Mr. Spectacular. Right? I don't know if she got kicked out, but it was like her birthday, and she snapped at everyone, and I don't know. Oh, wow. But I'm like, I thought that would be memorable. Evil Dick's da- daughter's in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, she looks different. That's, that's what I think it's for a third time. But yeah, no, they brought Evil Dick out. Did you watch that season, Dick? Yeah, yeah. When they like, What's his, what's his daughter's name again? Danielle. Danielle. Yeah, yeah. Which is like, oh, it's my dad. I haven't talked to him in three years. And he's like, surprise. I was like, this is a great show. <laughs> this is just a great, great show. You, you know who I love who's back? is Enzo, the Meow Meow. Oh, oh that, that guy. guy. That what guy is that guy talking so about smart, 99% of the time? Him around because he's so dumb. He's Wasn't the he the non- one? In his season, who like intentionally got himself voted off because he thought he'd get to come back with a power? <laughs> uh, no, I know. No, was he the guy that when they were going in, she's like, "Who are you doing this for?" And he's like, "Like Danny Bones or something." And she's like, "Who's that?" He's like, "My father." Oh no, wasn't that that one guy? From That's Boston like the Brooklyn guy who got divorced. Oh. And uh, then that, the might, that might have been him. That might have been Enzo. But he calls himself the Meow Meow. Yeah, he, yeah. Thinks he's a, he thinks he's a mastermind, and I don't yeah. actually think he is. But he's so lovable. All right, I got to table so. the Big Brother talk on you guys here. We're going to quickly uh, take a short little break here, hear from our friends at Jappa, and then we are going to come back with a nice interview with Scott Hastings from Odd Shark. Have you got holes to dig, earth to pack, and roads to build? then you need to call Jappa Machinery Group. Does your equipment need a service? Yeah, can't fix stupid, but here at Jappa Machinery Group, we can fix everything else. With a full range of parts to keep your equipment running smoothly, Jappa Machinery Group is a family-operated and Alberta-grown business. Here to help build a bigger and better Western Canada. Give us a call or visit us at jappamachinery.com. Jappa Machinery Group, join the family. All right, there you go. As always, we are brought to you by Jappa Machinery. Make sure you check them out. And now we are going to a new segment we're doing. I'm excited for this because I'm an absolute degenerate. I know Jay is as well. We welcome in Scott Hastings. Aspiring. Yeah, aspiring. Scott, how's it going, man? Good. Thanks for having me, guys. Good. It'll be fun. Uh, Odd Shark, new partner of the podcast here. They've been a partner of the Oilers Nation and the Nation Network for a while here. But for those who don't know what Odd Shark is, since this is our first hit, I figured we should have you kind of explain it. When people go to oddtrek.com, what, what should they be expecting? Yeah, basically our website is for the beginner better and just to give them all the betting information, uh, anything from the day's game, game lines, betting odds, as well as futures odds. And just if you have general questions of like, what is a parlay and what is a money line? Uh, you know, we have all that information. And then in a lot of our articles, we'll also have picks to help, uh, guide you although we may not be hitting at 100 percent, but we do our best here. looking back through that first round of the nhl playoffs and that's where i'm going to start with our uh conversation here there were i mean a lot of the high seeds lost out look at the lottery tonight i mean it's pittsburgh it's toronto it's edmonton all in there in terms of a sportsbook perspective which one of those upsets was sort of the most stunning i'd have to say it has to be the montreal over Pittsburgh, you know, Pittsburgh was a team that I had as a sneaky futures play to win win it all. And uh, on Sydney's birthday and everything, they get bounced by the halves. Yeah. So I think that was one of the ones that was probably one of the bigger upsets. I think uh, there was a lot of hesitation on the Leafs-Columbus series because of Columbus last year over Tampa Bay. So although Toronto is a heavily bet team, so I'm, I'm curious what the numbers would have been there. Uh, but I think the Montreal-Pittsburgh, because everyone had Pittsburgh, I think Sportsnet had a, uh, yeah. a a staff pick thing, right? And they all picked Pittsburgh in three or four. And then, yikes, rough, rough scene. You mentioned uh, Toronto is a heavily bet team. Where does Edmonton come out in terms of how much public money gets put on them? Because, I mean, we just saw it with, their crazy, with the crazy 50-50s we had in our city, how much this city likes to put money behind their team. 
Where does Edmonton kind of rank it there in terms of the how much their fan base likes to bet on their team? Yeah, I think it's a pretty high number. Um, I, I don't have the numbers for yeah. sure, but you know, most of the Canadian markets compared to the American, uh, yeah, Canadian markets over the American markets are bet on a lot heavier. And of course, we just back our own teams for yeah. for better or for worse. We just like, oh, of course, they can knock down Tampa Bay, no problem. Take them on the puck line, and uh, yeah, it doesn't always not always the brightest choice, but we do it anyway. I think I mean now, Scott. Oh, sorry. No, go, Scott, as a guy who made a bunch of money off Columbus whipping the uh, Maple Leafs, uh, good man. Uh, what and losing a bunch on the Oilers, but I, I, I but I, but for some reason, I, I, I never bet too much on the Oilers because if they lose, it just hurts way too much. So I went super heavy on the Columbus series. What is for what's the best value series in your opinion uh, here in the next round? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that question because I was thinking I was thinking that question was coming down the pipe. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at Vancouver over St. Louis all day. The Blues have looked really shaky. And I look at Jordan Bennington, and he's one that – when did he break in? 28 years old, yeah. I think, was last year he breaks in. And then he's got a, a north of four goals against average and three losses. Well, he only had two losses. But St. Louis lost all three of the round-robin games. And that Vancouver team is sneaky good. You know, Elias Pettersson is a, is a stud. And, and Quinn Hughes, six points in four games – that's that's an underdog play that I, I think is really really sneaky. How 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 many underdogs do you think are kind of going to come out on top here? Just because I mean Brad Marchand even kind of came out and said they felt like glorified exhibition games, those weird sort of round robin seeding games. And meanwhile, Vancouver's been playing meaningful hockey for six seven days now. All those other teams that advanced in the qualifying round have. Are you maybe going to be leaning a little bit more towards some of those teams, especially early in the series because they're they got the legs. Mm, that's a good question. I didn't, I don't know, because you saw some teams that really took it seriously. And then, yeah, maybe the Blues were playing a little cat and mouse yeah. and they, they don't really care and they'll, they'll roll Vancouver and I'll look like a bozo. But uh, I guess <laughs> that, that happens. We don't know until we see them. But a team like, like Colorado, I think they're all in. I think they, they took those games seriously. They did lose to Vegas in that last game in a tightly contested matchup. So, I don't know. That that's a good question because Boston also didn't look the greatest, and I think they'll they'll show up in the playoffs for sure. So I think you sort of got to look at each matchup a little differently as far as yeah, were they showing at all or were they a little sluggish? When we previewed the playoffs a little bit, we all chatted about our favorite long shot bet to win the cup. Jay, you love hyping up your Carolina Hurricanes bet you made. I decided yeah. to make my long shot bet the Winnipeg Jets. That sucked. Uh, right now, sort of looking at the board of who the Stanley Cup favorites are, is there anyone lower down who you're looking at and circling and going, you know what, heading into the round of 16 here, that that's a team I like? Yeah, well, I think Carolina is a really smart play. You know, they're so well-rounded. And Sebastian Ajo racking up eight points in three games. Like, they're, they're so talented, and their defense is tremendous. Like, they have so many underrated names that just uh, – they, they've got six good defensemen, although Jake Gardner are yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm a Leafs fan, so we can just sort of take him for what he is. Um, but the, the big question mark for me is the goaltending. But Mrazek, if he can get hot, you know, he's a, he's a team that he's a, a a goalie that could carry a team. He's just one that, oh man, that's that's the one part that scares me about their lineup is goaltending. You mentioned you're a Leafs fan there. I had an interesting conversation today with someone, you know, chatting about the Oilers, and they're like, well, wouldn't you rather have them lose in four games than have the heartbreaking Game 5 loss? And then they reference the Leafs, and the crazy comeback sends it to Game 5, then it's just such a letdown in Game 5. Would you have preferred that they don't make that comeback in Game 4 because then you don't have the stress? Because to me, I'm like, no, I want those memories of, like, wild playoff nights where you're celebrating and slamming beers because your team scored three in a row. Would you rather have the crazy comeback and the letdown in Game 5 or would you have rather it had it just end in, you know, rather unceremoniously in game four? Well, I think it's just so typical of Leafs to pull <laughs> off something so great. And it's like, okay, finally, we're going to get over the hump. And then just to Zach Wierenski, who was injured towards the back half of that game where they made the comeback. I thought he was out. And then, of course, he's the first one that scores. He scores the game winner, the first mm-hmm. goal of the game. And right then, as a Leafs fan, when that sort of thing happens, I was like, it's, it's done. I, I knew we weren't coming back. Even though it was one nothing early in the game, wasn't a big deal. The fact that it was Wierenski that scored that goal, I knew we were toast. So as a Leafs fan, has, I've seen it all. I remember the last playoff 
lot or like their the last time that they won a series and then they lost to Philadelphia double overtime. Of course, Tucker, Darcy Tucker hit Sammy Kapanen, Casper's father, caused him to scramble the bench. Jeremy Rona comes off, clapper bar down, double overtime. Leafs haven't won a series since. So that still burned in my memory. So everything since, I watched the Boston collapses, everything. So the fact that we made that great comeback was exciting. It's the best moment in Leafs playoff history recently, but it was just so typical for them to drop it in game five. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, I had one more for you here. Um, we talked about the Stanley Cup odds, and you said Carolina. From a strategy perspective, so right now I'm looking at them at 14 to 1, and I think that's kind of the range they're usually in, right? Um, yeah. So a $100 bet for those listening that don't know, a $100 bet would turn into $1,500 in that sense. Couldn't there be a part of you with strategy that goes, well, the Canes have to win four series? Would it maybe be smarter in some instances to just put 100 bucks on them to win the first series and then keep rolling over the profits if you actually think they're going to win the Cup? Like, are there some instances where that could actually put you out ahead of where you would be versus just betting on them in futures? Yeah, it would definitely depend on the matchups. Mm-hmm. But, like, right now, so for Boston, they're uh, plus 125. So lay 100 and get 125 back. So you'd have to get some pretty sizable series prices moving yeah. forward. So I don't... I don't think it would work for Carolina, but a team like Vancouver, I'm trying to do quick math while I'm looking at the lines. I'm trying to do quick math. Like Vancouver would be a team that you could probably employ that strategy and turn out as a profit. Um, Or even for like a big favorite, right? Like someone who's maybe only six to one to win the cup. Like if you're rolling them over on all their series, even if they're favorites, like you might find a way to get an edge there. Yeah, well, like, again, the best one, if you're going to go with that strategy, so let's say right now the Colorado Avalanche have the best or the shortest odds with Vegas at plus 550. Um, But both of those, so Vegas is minus 340 over the Hawks and Colorado is minus 300 against Arizona. So there's absolutely no value in betting those. You'd have to lay $300 to profit 100. Just not worth your time. So what you hope for is that Chicago or Arizona wins game one. Because then the odds usually, they, they cut in half. So then you'll get Colorado at like minus 150. Then it becomes worthwhile at, at a much better price. And this it's tough in the bubble, though. Things get a little wonky. Because when you get that home and away split, you'll see one game loss, and then you'll see their line go from a minus 200 to a plus 210. And you're like, well, I'll take them now. So... I wouldn't bet anything over minus 200 on a series price, but I would look for, if there was a matchup that I really liked, I'd hope that they lose game one and then try to snake snake them the next game. Is there a point on, I mean, not just a series bet or a futures bet, but in general, where you'll look at a game and go, like, where's your line for betting on a favorite? Where you go, you know what, it's just, no matter how much of a favorite they are, that's not really worth the risk. Yeah, especially in hockey, because, you know, yeah. we can... Any team can beat any team any given night. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll go up to minus 180 unless there's, you know, as a Leafs fan, if there was something that I just, Ottawa or something coming to town, I'm just going to hammer the Leafs just for the fun of it because I don't like Ottawa and I don't like Montreal. So, you know, in those instances, I might get a little crazy and it will bite me in the ass, but I guess that's just part of the fun. Scott, I'm really? a big bet. I'm a big bet with your heart guy. I know that's not the that's the worst <laughs> uh, gambling strategy there is, but I know no other way. Yeah, exactly. Well, Scott, we're really looking forward to having you on. For everyone listening to the pod right now, we're going to have Scott on every single Monday. So our DMs are always open. If you have a question that you want us to fire his way, if you got some betting questions, feel free to reach out and ask them. Uh, it's going to be fun talking to you every week, Scott. Beauty, thanks for having me, guys, and I uh, look thanks. forward to a future talk. Yeah, so, thanks, Scott. Later. There you go. That's Scott Hastings from Odd Truck on the Real Life Podcast. And uh, Wanye dipped out, um, but uh, he left two good degenerates at hand here to handle that. That was a lot of fun there. I think uh, it'll be interesting to kind of follow this sort of stuff and follow the lines a little bit closer as we keep cruising through. Oh, absolutely. And it's even just like, uh, I kind of like the, the strategy of just like wait for game one to go by to try to get more value yeah. on the rest of the series. Uh, I think that's smart because now like, I'm going to try to bet smart now that the Oilers are out. I'm going to try to take my heart out of the out of the game. Uh, I've I've got a little bit of house money, so I want to make some bet on some 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 horses here and see uh, where it can go and try to get some joy out of this 
what now is going to be disappointing playoff season. The one area, and this is maybe a chance for me and you to bet with our heart and with our brain a little bit, the Dallas Stars are not very big favorites over the Calgary Flames. And that surprises me, right? Uh, that is supremely surprising. I know, like, didn't wasn't Dallas like kind of on a tailspin near before COVID? Like, yeah, like, a little bit driving that because because they they should be a weapon. And yeah, uh, like, like you like just the, look at that team. Like Ben Bishop between the pipes can win you games. I don't know how much longer Cam Talbot can keep being this good, but yeah. Because what do they have? What's the what's the series odds? Oh, they've got. Uh, Dallas is minus 115. Yeah, like to me, that's just, I, I, I'm i going to jump all over that. Yeah, that's, that's basically even money. So that's that's not bad at all. Um, I'm kind of... Columbus is a huge underdog too, and I'm a big Jackets I supporter. I like my Jackets, man. And plus 185? Uh, it's, worth, it's worth just putting something on it just yeah. so you, you did it. Like uh, that, That's one where I'd put like 10 bucks on. You know, or whatever. It's just like, just so I did it, and if I lost, I don't care. And if I won, it's like sweet. Now what? But like, if I, I I'm a little like Tampa's gonna be pissed off now. Stamkos Hurst, Stamkos, and potentially Headman. Oh boy! Yeah. Wow, that's that's huge. Plus one fifty. Maybe we'll sprinkle a little on there. I still think Carolina's just gonna fucking roll, and there. I think that's good value too. Like. I don't know. I have no idea where Boston's at, but Carolina is just a hot pistol. Uh, I'm definitely sprinkling some on there. Still got them with my cup bet. Uh, and then, yeah, I'm probably, I don't want to get too degenerate and bet on every series because you can lose a lot of money that way. I'm just going to pick a couple uh, and just kind of admire some hockey uh, during this time. So I just got to think which one. Yeah, I kind of want to bet against Calgary for the sake of doing it. The two series I'm going in on, I'm picking Dallas to beat Calgary, and I'm picking... I, I, I'm with you. I'm going to put a little bit on Columbus to beat Tampa Bay. Bet with my heart a little there. Um, but I'm also going to put some on Carolina to win their series. I think Boston kind of looks a little bit discombobulated right now, and uh, I like those odds. Carolina at plus 115. I could see them winning, beating the Bruins. Yeah, 100%. And the other thing is, I, I, I'm also going to put... So now I'm going to pick my... Normally, I like to pick four cup favorites, uh, and I did that going into the pre. So I'm going to pick a couple more here and think about who I'm going to go with. Oh, it's the best. It's too easy. It's like a video game. It Next is. thing you know, I've made 20 bets, and I'm like, shit. Uh, right now, the big but, favorites on the book I use, Colorado and Vegas are plus 600. Tampa Bay, Philly are plus 650. Boston's plus 900. And then the Blues and Capitals are 11 to 1. Caps at 11 to 1. That's not bad. Yeah, the goaltending worries me a little bit because you either have an aging Holtby or you have Samsonov, who's rather inexperienced. No, but I, I mean, Holtby's done he it once. Playing? He's hurt. Samsonov's hurt, isn't he? Oh, is Samsonov still hurt? I thought he was oh, going to come back. He... We should oh, do okay, our research, and then that, that can be a topic on Thursday. We can talk about our series yep. bets. We'll get into it with Bag Milk as well, who's a newfound sports better. So that'll be fun. Oh, is he ever? <laughs> oh, man. He's one we, we, we have to keep a close eye on that guy. <laughs> we got to keep him. We got to reel him in because he's... He is, the thing is, he's going wild on props. That's, yeah. that's crazy. It's hilarious. Um, all right. That's going to do it for another episode of Real Life. That was a ton of fun. Every Monday, we'll be chatting a little bit of gambling towards the end of the pod. So stay tuned for that. Send us questions if you got them as well. Big Brother Talk is back. Yes, the Oilers are out, so we're all sad. But we're still going to have a ton of fun on the Real Life podcast. Jay, thanks for an hour of your time. Thank you. And everyone listening, thank you for tuning in. This has been episode 203 of the Real Life Podcast presented by Jappa Machinery. Great job on making it through the entire hour of the Real Life Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.